Welcome to the Start Up to Something podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Matt. This is our weekly update where we share the ups and downs of building and growing our bootstrapped online businesses. And sometimes we ramble on about tech. Well, hello, Mark. Hello, Matt. <laughs> How's it going, man? <laughs> good, yourself? Yeah, good. Good, good. The weather's good. It's nice and snowy outside, so it's like very comfortable. I've got my warm coffee. Nice blanket, nice. heavy sweater. Very, very good for working. Yeah, it's very sunny here, which is always de- deceiving in February. Because oh, if it's sunny, it means that it's really cold. <laughs> it means it sucks out there. <laughs> exactly. So it's nice in my own home office. Mm. So what's been going on? How was your week? Yeah, so my week was good. I I finished that Airtable Meta API integration. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I was able to focus on just doing that. And whenever I got distracted by a bug fix or something else, I would force myself to leave it alone and get back to what's essential. Very disciplined of you. Yes. (laughs) So I think it was Wednesday or Thursday when I finally pushed the code in production Mm -hmm. and then uh, waited to see if I had caused any bugs. (laughs) Uh, But no, it it went well. It It was working. I had to manually... Because at one point I was wondering whether I should support the old format right. at the same time as this new format, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, when I when I tested that on my computer, it, it was problematic. So the solution was that no, I was just gonna migrate all the workflows to the new format. Okay. So I did that. I converted everyone, and it went flawlessly. And then I was able to to move on to those bug fixes that I really wanted to fix. Cool. <laughs> What was involved in the migration? Did you have to ask each of your current users to go and get their key and give it to you in order to, to migrate? No, well, that's the thing. That that script that I was making them cut and paste into their Airtable API page, mm-hmm. it, it was scraping the API key also. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Yeah. So I was scraping the key because I needed the key anyways to, mm. to fetch their Airtable records. Yeah, good point. And, and then I also scraped the, the metadata from their base and their tables. Okay. So now I just, I already have the key. So I took the key and I would fetch their metadata using the API and then make some comparisons, make sure nothing has changed between two because, you know, they could be new tables or tables that were renamed or deleted or whatever. Right. But, uh, but there were no problems. Everyone converted easily. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I was monitoring my server logs, <laughs> making sure there's no exceptions. <laughs> I said, nah, perfect. I can move on to bug fixes now. Nice. Very cool. So so, so you saw a few people successfully go through. Um, do you have any preliminary numbers on if it's helping? No, no, I didn't look at that yet. Okay. It's too early. Yeah. I mean, I always, you always <laughs> want to, right? Like, like one hour later, you're there, I want to see the results. Refresh, refresh, so, refresh. You know, patience, grasshopper. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Fair enough. <laughs> Wait till you have real data. Hmm. So I'm waiting a week. Okay, we'll cool. see after a week, I'm going to compare the, the funnel sure. one week before the fix and one week after. Okay. Exciting. Yeah. That's cool. That's a really nice, meaningful step forward too. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it looks good. I mean, I've already I've already walked through it with a, with a customer. Oh, so cool. I was able to see like how it was much easier for them. Mm-hmm. Cut, cut, be paste their keys and, and they were able to finish their workflow. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So then I, I looked at my bugs. Like, so which which were the bugs that I should really fix mm-hmm. that last week? Because I remember we talked about that idea of doing one week of dev and then one week of marketing. Yeah. So once I was finished this metadata integration, I decided, yeah, I was going to try this. I was going to try to, so that this week I would do only marketing. Right. So I figured, well, I have a few days left in last week, so I decided to fix as many bugs as possible. Great. So it, they're they're not like big big bugs, but they were bugs that were producing a lot of support emails. Uh-huh. So and it's still not perfect. I ran out of time. Mm-hmm. There's still somewhere. I'm just displaying the Webflow API error as is, and there's still a lot of people that don't seem when they see that error, they don't they don't know what their next action is supposed to be. Yeah. So I need to just display what the next action is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, steps to resolve, or at least what the what the next step to repair all of this is. Yeah, exactly. 
So that'll, I mean, that'll be next week, the next, the next week of dev. Sure. But this week, the goal is to do marketing. Cool. Do you have any conks? Because, yeah, one thing I did last week was track my time a lot better. Oh, good. Yeah. So before I made this decision to try this experiment, I, I decided that I was setting, I was going to cap my support. So no more than one hour of support per day. Okay. So that will force me to prioritize, you know, the paying customers and then the, the free accounts and to also not not spend too much time like investigating a, a problem if there's a simple solution. Sure. That makes sense. And then I gave myself a minimum of, of deep work that I need to do. Mm-hmm. So I said, I need to do this many hours of, of dev or content and then so many hours of marketing. Okay. So I I'd said I think two hours of marketing per day. Nice. Uh, but yeah, but but I never achieved it. That that was it. Just well, first of all, I don't have much content yet to market. Yeah, sure. So you know, so I I, I go to I go on the forums every day. I and I do I do Twitter every day, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't add up to two hours. So I still I wasn't reaching that goal. Yeah, I see what so, you mean. Yeah, so that's when I came to the conclusion that maybe I need to try this instead, like mm-hmm. do do a whole week of marketing. Mm-hmm. It's something I've never done before. <laughs> so it's 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 going to be challenging. Yeah. I mean, m- part of it is content marketing. So it's actually producing the content. Mm-hmm. So that could easily take a whole week, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm going to have to to be disciplined to not spend a whole week on producing the content, try to get the content out as quickly as possible. And then schedule it. Like, when am I gonna paste, you know, post it on Twitter? When am I gonna announce it on Facebook, or the the groups, the forums? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was when you were saying that you wanted to do two hours of marketing per day, and that Twitter and forums weren't adding up to two hours. You start to think about content creation and how long it takes to put together one video, and if that doesn't quite fit into the two hour window, then yeah, then. It's like scheduling larger windows in order to accomplish it. It's going to happen. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, and there's so much more I could be doing. Like, I haven't really looked at Reddit yet Mm -hmm. because it scares the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but there's definitely things that I could, that I could produce, you know, there's content I could produce that I could share on Reddit Mm -hmm. or even Hacker News. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that would be part of the work I would do during that week. Right. Is explore content ideas and then produce them and then schedule or, or strategize where I will post them. Yeah. That's a perfect way to spend your time. Yeah. Uh, so do you have any concrete goals for this week or things that you're really hoping to get done? Yeah. I have two videos in mind that I, I really want to do this week. I think it's, it's, um, I think it's reachable to do that, to produce these two videos. They're pretty simple. Like the, the goal is to, when someone logs in or, or signs up, they, they, when they land on that, that dashboard, I want to have two different videos demonstrating how to use these two different workflows that I provide. And also put the link everywhere during the, 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 the multi-step wizard. Mm-hmm. So if, if in any moment they're, they're stuck and they're, what is this, you know, what is, what am I supposed to do during this step? They can go back to the video and maybe even timestamp it so they can jump right to the section. Yeah. So, so the, primary purpose is to improve the the activation conversion yeah like how many people will go from sign up to becoming an active user but the other the other goal is that i'll put these videos on youtube and you know they will be targeting keywords that i think are being searched for and i and i also realized like one of them is going to be a video that demonstrates my csv upload feature Mm -hmm. Uh, because i realized like just there's a lot of people that when they discover it, they love it, but I've really haven't done a very good job at marketing it, uh, like, to, sh- to sh- showing it out there. Like, no, this is how easy it is. Like, this is the feature that you've been asking Webflow to implement for years and they haven't. Right. So I need to have a video that shows that. Totally. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That sounds like a cornerstone piece of content for you. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, especially for that feature, I have nothing right now. I just have a landing page. And it doesn't really do it justice. It doesn't show all the functionality that that it can do. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, that's the goal for this week. Produce those two videos. And then I'm working on another big video, but I I really don't think I'll get it done this week. Sure. It's more of a, like a a tutorial, a use case, like showing 
I'm going to show people how to build a job board. Okay. Using Airtable, Power Importer, and Webflow. Okay. So how was your week? My week was good. <clears throat> I was feeling very productive uh, after we recorded last week. Um, I was very feeling very free, just feeling better about my decision about where I'm headed with consulting. So it really gave me a burst of energy to just make it through and get my work done. <laughs> just keep being myself motivated. Um, so right after we hung up from our call, uh, I sat down and I finished off the landing page, the app. I threw everything into production. I've set up monitoring and now everything is live and I can accept customers. So I did my first end-to-end -end test with Stripe and paid myself and it all worked. It was really cool to see, to get that first receipt email from Stripe and see it all working. <laughs> Yay! Hooray! <laughs> and then I was like, great, let me issue myself a refund and then realize that my account is now overdrawn by 32 cents or whatever. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> whatever it costs Stripe to uh, <laughs> to issue a refund. So that was... So so you declared bankruptcy at that point? Whether well, they were saying, uh, "Put it, uh, your account is overdrawn. Please deposit money. And I thought, oh, sure, fine. I'll just put, put my credit card in, whatever, pay it off. But they only accept wire funds that way when you deal with your account. So I said, oh, okay, if I want to add more credits to my account, I just need to make another purchase on my own behalf <laughs> and juice my account that way. So right now I'm sitting in overdrawn while I figure that part out. <laughs> Okay, it's not connected to a bank account. No, uh, not yet. I've I've never had to pull money out. So, uh, so yeah. And I I believe that when you from the dialogue, it seems like you have to wire money. No, if you if you connect a bank account to your Stripe account, yeah, they will automatically withdraw the funds if you're ever overdrawn. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. maybe okay. I I haven't gone that far with Stripe, so I. I haven't seen what that flow is like, basically. Okay, that's good to know. Because I was worried yeah. about incurring a f like a wire fee, having to wire them 32 cents or something. <laughs> and then right. it's like, oh yeah, I have to pay $5 to do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why would I do this? No, that's it. You can do it. They, if your bank account is connected to your Stripe account, they just they, they do it automatically. Okay. Because it, it will happen, right? Like Especially now, you can even tell Stripe to, to deposit the funds like every day into your bank account. Okay. So it's possible once you get a refund, like, oh shit, I'm overdrawn. <laughs> and you just get a notification from Stripe. Hey, you know, you owed us this much. So we took it out of your bank account. Okay. There's no fees or anything. Okay, great. Yeah, that's That makes me feel a little bit better. Because right now it's just sitting in a negative balance while I do my initial marketing push. I'm just like, <laughs> I would really like to pay you. I, I'm very happy that you guys are free to do business with me. I would like to pay you, but you know. I don't want to pay five bucks for a wire fee for 32 cents. It's like hilarious. So that's great. That's motivation. Yeah. That's motivation to make some sales. Yeah, seriously, get out there, man. <laughs> help, help me get out of debt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so now I've flipped over into full marketing mode for the product, which is awesome. So uh, right now I have a small email list of people that I've been keeping in touch with. But when I, as I've been posting in groups, uh, Facebook groups and that sort of thing. So I need to reach out to them to uh to begin have them be my first customers essentially so i had a question for you actually about how you are collecting payments with power importer what does that look like for you today like your I'm checkout using, for example sorry uh, your checkout um so i did for the first time i used uh, stripes what do they call it like hosted checkout okay or something like that mm -hmm. so it's a little more expensive than if you if you just did all the all the management of your subscriptions yourself. Okay. So you let Stripe do the subscriptions. Uh, and it it's a little limited, but I mean, I, I decided to, to try it this time. Okay. Like, I thought I thought I would save time. Okay. So it is a little limited though, because uh, they host a whole checkout page mm -hmm. at that point. And there's some little tweaks that you can't really do yet. Mm -hmm. Like... Uh, I think like adding new, adding more or more products to the checkout is not possible. Oh, I see. They really want you to land on the page where they're going to put their. It's maybe there's a product with its description, and this is how much. And please put your credit card number in, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like I think I mean I might I might be wrong. Like maybe I misunderstood it when I read it, 
but from what I understood, at one point, the way I wanted it was that um, people would only be each customer would only be billed on the same date every month. Okay. So if they wanted to add a second subscription, it would just be added to that subscription as a just increase the quantity. All right, now you have two subscriptions. Right. But it's the same subscription uh, start and end period. Billing date, yeah. And from what I understood, I couldn't do that with the with the hosted checkout. Okay. So, but in the end, I decided whatever. You know, when I get a customer that wants to pay for two subscriptions, I'll deal with it then. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, cool. Yeah, right now I use Stripe's payment intent API, and that's worked fine for me. But with the initial list of people that I collected. I posted to a small group that I'm a little more active in, and I, you know, I did a call for emails and said, uh, "You can do your 2020 F bars for free." And I got maybe four or five people that were that signed up for it. And right now, my product doesn't have any notion of promotional codes or discounts or anything like that. So I looked at Stripe and said, and realized that it does promotions, and said, "Great, maybe I can, maybe I can just, you know." drop in promotions. But the payment intent API doesn't support promotions. You have to handle them separately and then change the payment intent in order for it to match up with the charge. So I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate promotions. And if I really want them, I mean, long term, it makes sense to have promotions, I think. But right now, they're not that important. I just want to honor the deal that I gave to those initial mailing list users. So I'm trying to make a decision as to maybe I sh could do a really hacky thing where I literally make the make it free in the code and ship that and give like a three-day window for my users to come in and get their stuff for free and then I redist the code with the pricing, with the correct pricing in, the window for free stuff is now closed and then the greater I can do greater marketing and I've honored the deal that I gave to those initial people and I didn't have to implement anything to do with or I can right. push off at least I can push off uh, having to do any of the discount code stuff until later. Yeah, that could work. So are you doing the subscription logic on your side? Oh no, sorry. No, you're not a subscription. That's right, yeah. They're all one time. So it's really simple for me to just pop up a little like the credit the Stripe credit card modal, they pop in their credit card, hit go, and then it works. Uh, because if I don't use, if I want to use the Stripe hosted checkout, I'll need to work on redirecting to Stripe and then redirecting back. My application is very simple. So as soon as I receive the charge, the, the, the charge succeeded event from Stripe, the experience changes. So by the time they get redirected back, to my site, I'll have received the event. I imagine I'll have received the event, and the UX should update accordingly. Yeah, when you when you set up these the self checkout, you 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 can you provide them the URL that they will come back to if it's successful, so it will redirect them to there, and they they pass you along a session ID in the URL. I see, so, and so then you're able the immediate that. The moment they land on that page, you can use the Stripe API to go fetch their their session, and then you have all the information. Like, was the payment successful? Oh, I see. So with the with hosted checkout, you don't necessarily receive an event. You would need to go pull that yourself. Well, you do. I mean, you you still receive the webhook events. Oh, okay. Like you you've set up webhooks. Yep. So so you still get those. Okay. But like you say, it's possible that you haven't received the event yet. Mm. Or, you know, there's a delay. But at least in the URL that they come back to, there's the ID on the URL. So you can go right now, go find out the state of that that checkout session. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Okay, cool. Yeah, I might take an hour tonight and play with it and see if I can make it drop in really fast. That would be really cool. Even if it was something janky, like I don't, I only wait for the event and maybe I add a very simple polling loop or something to, to see if the state of the uh, of the payment has changed but just something real simple that'll solve for discounts otherwise i'm just going to like hack the code so it's free for a little while let my let the people on the mailing list know create a window and then if they do it great and if they don't then we can work yeah. it out later if they really want it the the checkout the uh the self the hosted checkout does does allow coupon codes mm -hmm. so you know, I don't know if you can create a coupon that says it's it's free. 
yeah. I don't know how complex they can be. Oh, that's a good question. I yeah, I didn't dig in much with the vouchers. I will need to do some investigation there. What does it mean when it's free? What does it mean if you reach these uh, a Stripe host at checkout and it turns out to be free? Yeah, especially because it's not recurring billing, so it's not like yeah. I'm saving their credit card to bill them in 30 days or something like that. It's it's just one-offs. Yeah, I mean, I think they would still capture the credit card. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. But I, I'd be surprised, right? Because because of, of all the moving parts that they keep track of, like the payment methods and the customer information, you you think they would still do that? Even though you have a coupon for 100% off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I um I used to work for a a company that it was a SaaS marketplace company. So you could go in and get single sign-on between all of your different SaaS apps and we did billing and provisioning and I worked in the billing department and my team ran the checkout flow and all the different cases around you came in and it was going to be X dollars and you applied a voucher of some kind or maybe it's a 30-day free trial and some free trials want credit cards and other ones don't and it was super configurable for what do you what what's the user experience you want the user to have when they enter the checkout flow so i'm now that i <laughs> it wasn't until i asked you that i realized the overlap between what i had done at AppDirect and what stripe is doing now that i realize oh yes this is very similar and i understand this problem very well actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i definitely agree with your 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 plan to keep it as simple as possible so that you can start marketing yeah yeah i I, i'm really looking at this as the smallest annoying bump in the road ever of just i want to honor what i said to these people and then that's it like we go full into marketing and i'll implement vouchers correctly down the road at some point exactly yeah I, I recently did the same thing where someone asked for an extra feature and they asked like how much it's going to cost per month. So, you know, I, I, I created a product in Stripe for this $10 add-on, but I didn't do any of the the interface for them to add it themselves. So, because I figured, you know, this is the first customer to ask for it. I'm going to give it to him, but I'm not going to start trying to sell it to other people yet. Like, Let's just see if he actually uses it and if yeah. it's actually useful. So all I did is then I went to my Stripe dashboard and I just added the product to his subscription manually. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Do they? Does the user have to confirm that? Nope, nope. Because I have their credit card on file. Like, like I, I mean, I made sure that there was an audit in an email audit. <laughs> right, <laughs> I sure. I made sure to confirm everything with him. Like I asked him, do you want me to use a credit card on file or do you want to provide a new one? And, right. Because otherwise I was going to send him an invoice. It's something else you could do with okay. Stripe is send an invoice and then they, they could pay it. Okay. Yeah, that's actually one solution that you could do is just invoice them. Anyways, so that's why yeah. I'm getting sidetracked. Yeah. But yeah, my, my, my goal was to, let's, I'll just do at least the back end mm-hmm. with Stripe so that now there's a new product. It's a ten dollar add-on, but I didn't do any of the management interface. Hmm. I didn't even even provide him a way to cancel this add-on. Right. I told him in email, if you ever change your mind, you want to cancel this add-on, just email me. I'll do the same thing. I'll log into Stripe, and go on the subscription, and remove the product. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I I know it's so funny. I know I'll, I can I have an idea of what Stripe does, and I'm using it just to collect credit cards. And I've heard about subscription management and things like this, but I need to do a deep dive on the product to understand what's really available to me. It's so hard. Like I, I've, I've done, you know, like many years of Stripe integration, but every time I do a new one, like things have changed. So, you know, I mean, I'm not complaining. Stripe is really easy to integrate and the documentation is amazing. But, you know, every time you sort of have to like relearn it, retest it, like, are you sure you understand the, you know, are you sure you understand all the subtleties, you know, or, or the events that come back to your web, your webhook? Yeah. When I was first doing my integration with them and I was looking at the events, that's pretty overwhelming when you see the number of different events and possibilities that could pot, that could be spit out by Stripe. It's pretty daunting. Yeah. But then you realize, oh yeah, most of these events, as long as I get an email about it, my application doesn't have to deal with this. I can just deal with it manually. Yeah, I mean, I I sort of have to handle some of them, right? Like a subscription gets canceled, or or they don't, or the credit card payments get declined. After a while, the subscription gets canceled automatically. Yeah, I have to handle all that. 
Yeah, that's true. For subscription management and user management purposes, you're going to have four more events probably that you'll have to deal with around credit cards expiring or payments failing or, or anything like that. So you can turn their accounts off. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to handle like two, <laughs> like charge, fa- charge succeeded, charge failed. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So yeah, I've just been working on figuring out what to do around uh, checkout and vouchers. And then everything else is just reaching out to all the Facebook accounts that I've been a part of uh, and cold calling CPAs and using LinkedIn. So I've been through some prior experience I have with LinkedIn prospecting. I have a pretty good way of, you know, I can basically Google for CPAs in Canada, American taxes, I get ads. And those are very strong indicators of people I should reach out to uh, who might be good candidates for recommending my product to their clients. And then I can do more searching around, and then I can vet people by how they advertise themselves on LinkedIn and on their website, and a lot of the time calling them up and just asking, hey, do you do American taxes, and booking calls with them, that sort of thing. So I'm going to spend probably an hour a day for the next foreseeable few weeks of just trying to chat with as many people as I can, just booking calls because it takes time to nail people down and that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, just doing a little bit of footwork every day to start building out that list of prospects. And uh, the nice thing is this list of prospects, I have them. And then once I have them, I have them. So I can continue to follow up with them all year until next year if I wanted to. So it's just building that marketing list. Yeah. So right now you already have people on this list from the Facebook forums? Yep. So in my mailing list, I have, I've been talking to you know two Facebook groups, kind of embedding myself in the community, looking at some of the things they're doing, answering questions as best I can. And uh, I did some initial advertising in December saying, hey, I've been building this tool. If you're interested, it's going to open up in the new year. And you can, if you sign up now, then I'll give you your 2020 FBARs for free. And I managed to get about a dozen signups through that. Um, so I'm just going to reach out to those guys and say, hey, we're all set. Come on in. And then everything else, I'll, all the rest of the advertising that I do now, I'll just turn on the monetization button and let it rip. Awesome. So like these people, like I'm asking for a friend. No, actually, I'm asking <laughs> for myself. <laughs> all these people on your list, like have you been keeping the list warm have you been emailing them no i definitely haven't i've been okay. scared to because i haven't had a great idea of what their interests are i suppose i could send them an email and say hey don't forget about f bars they're coming in my head i was thinking oh that's not a great email it'd be nice to provide them with some value or, or something like that so yeah they've signed up for me once about a month ago maybe a, well, it's february now so more than a month ago and i haven't sent any follow-ups with them which is probably bad, but I'm still not sure what more value to provide them. If I had some content right. or something, maybe that. Would... Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what what you could have done, but I just, I just know that's the advice, right? Yeah, is, is to keep the keep the list warm, mm-hmm. like. But I, my myself, have not done any email marketing with with Power and Porter, so I've been collecting emails for over six months now. I haven't emailed them. I mean, I think I emailed, I manually emailed a few people mm-hmm. that I knew were, in, I had spoken to and I knew they were interested in this feature. So when I released a feature, I emailed them, but it was like a one-off. Like I did not do any follow-up. Okay. I've done a horrible job at it. <laughs> so with the current email list that you have, how many of them, so how many of them have you reached out to one-on-one so far? Like what percent? Maybe, uh, maybe half. Okay. And yeah. so basically whoever was on the list at the beginning Mm-hmm. were people that I was reaching out to manually immediately and asking to talk on the phone or okay. or otherwise we'd do it. I tried to, to talk to all. Then I stopped and the list has maybe doubled since then. Okay. So. And those people who have joined the list since the ones that you reached out to initially, have they heard from you at all? Have you done any broadcasts? No. Okay. I mean, that's like maybe some of them when I released the CSV update feature, I contacted them because I saw that they they created a CSV or they, they showed interest. So they signed up for the beta. Okay. So I sent one email just to tell them, hey, it's available. You can try it. Okay. Yeah, because it might be a good idea to send like a formal, hey, we're launched email just to remind them that you're there. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, you know, at first I was saying, oh, I need to find an email solution. So that was my 
my reason to not do it. <laughs> <laughs> my excuse. But then I did find an email solution and I signed up and, and now the free trial has ended and I still haven't used it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I mean, honestly, I've, I've had mixed experience with email. Like I know people swear by it and it's, it works great for them. To me, it seems like a lot of bad experiences mm-hmm. I've had. I mean, even recently, like I decided I was going to run my own mail server mm-hmm. for Power Importer because, because I'm cheap. <laughs> hey, I mean, go with it. Yeah. And it was working great. And then somehow I'm using a, a Linode mm-hmm. to host my own mail server. And then that whole, that whole class of IP addresses was flagged because there must have been a spammer in there. Okay. So then a lot of my emails weren't getting through. Mm-hmm. And, did, and none of these were, were promotional like emails. Like they're all these direct emails I'm writing. Like someone signs up and I'm sending them an email, mm-hmm. you know, because they signed up for the beta. So then I'm replying, okay. I, you know, I've given you access to the private beta. Like it's not, it's not spam at all. Yeah. But my IP address got flagged. So then I wasn't able to contact people or at least some of them were always dropping. Mm-hmm. So then I went with Mailgun because I had experience with them before. Okay. So they're, it's meant for transactional emails, but they offer an SMTP server. So I was just using it to send these one-offs. Okay, great. Yeah. And it worked great. And now... Already this week, I'm starting to have problems with it. Like in in the past, Melgun would would give you an IP address, and it was shared with other accounts. Right. So then, after a while, yeah, the, all of a sudden you'd be sharing it with a spammer, and the IP would get flagged. Mm. But then you would just have to open a ticket with them and saying, "Hey, the IP's bad," and they would just give you a new one. So, but then it it happened again, and now I just noticed that they seem to be using a pool of IP addresses. And like, so maybe one out of five emails that I send lands on this bad IP. And and this one customer I was communicating with last week, like he he wasn't receiving like one fifth of my emails. Oh man! <laughs> and, and it's so frustrating, right? Like he, the first email he sends me, he says oh, I'm having this problem, so I reply with the solution. And then like the next day, he says, Oh, I'm having this other problem. Oh, and by the way, I still have that that other problem. So like I'm that's weird. Like you never responded to my to my question. Like when I gave you that solution, there was a question in there and you never responded to it. So I repeated myself, which I hate doing as a developer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't repeat yourself. Anyways, I, I repeated the same solution. And again, he doesn't get it. Mm. Like he he replies again the next day, like with with some another question. And another, by the way, I still can't sync. I was like, okay, something's going. Like, is it the words that I'm using that's yeah, like, you know, make landing me in a spam folder? Do you keep telling him that you'll sell him Viagra or something? Exactly. Like that? like- <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, there's nothing spammy about the sentence. What's going on? Because <laughs> I literally just copy paste the sentence in the second email, mm. and it got flagged again. So then I told him, "Can you check your spam folder?" Because I and I already replied this this question twice, and I for some reason my they're not getting through. Mm. So he checks his spam folder. He says, it's not there. Like, it, it, they're really not there. So then I look at my log server. I look at my server logs. Yeah. Like my email server log. Like mail, in Mailgun. And then I see those two emails were rejected by his mail server. Oh, so man. they never made it to his spam folder. Yeah. It was outright just rejected because of the IP address. Oh, man. Okay. And, and that's when I realized, oh, yeah, they're using this pool of IP addresses and one of them has been flagged. Okay. Because I've seen, I feel, well, I feel like I've seen these enterprise mail companies talk about, like, bring your own IP. Like, you have yeah. your own IP that you build up the... The reputation. Reputation is the word I'm looking for. Yet you build up the reputation for, and now it's good, and you're not sharing it with anyone else, and you can move it from provider to provider, and they'll just send from that IP. Yeah. But the problem is, like, with Linode, the whole the whole Class C, like, subnet got flagged yeah. so it's my ip my ip was fine like no one had ever reported my ip but the subnet is just tough. yeah they just flagged the whole subnet Ugh. like it's getting so hard partly because you know gmail yahoo and hotmail have cornered the market mm-hmm. so they kind of dictate and and you know and 
obviously we have a fucking spam problem yeah (laughs) clearly right you know like spam is a huge problem and it's ruining email for everyone Mm -hmm. but because gmail hotmail and yahoo have so much clout they're able to to set the rules and they're able to to make it really hard Mm. to to build up ip reputation and they they also block a bunch of ip addresses Mm. yeah and then your alternative is you can go to some of these larger providers and you can pay whatever it is fifty dollars a month and then you can get more guaranteed delivery guaranteed delivery quote-unquote of your important messages that you want to send to your customers and actually stand a chance of landing in their inbox. Yeah. I mean, Mailgun will sell you a dedicated IP address, but it's like 59 a month. Yeah. There you go. Just for the IP address. It's not, a, not even for sending email. It's yeah. just for the IP. And is that a, and actually that, that's a very good question. Could that, could there be a chance that that IP could fall into another band subnet or is it a class A? Like, do you know how they administer those IPs? No, I don't. But I'm I'm assuming they they must do a good job at making sure those are on a, a different subnet, mm-hmm. so none of them can get flagged. This is a vault full know. of IP addresses. Yeah, worth their weight <laughs> in gold. Insane. But I mean, at this point, I'm willing to. Th- I'm at the point where I just want to throw in the towel, and I'll just get a G Suite account for each domain. Yeah. I used that's that's what I've been using for one of my products for since 2011, and I've never had a problem with it because you know you you're using the Gmail IPs. There's there's no way anyone out there is going to flag a Gmail subnet of IPs. Not on even a, if there are spammers on Gmail. Yeah, yeah, not on a reply. Like especially because the person who's sending the email is reaching out to you. Like Google's smart enough to realize, oh, Matt reached out to Mark. When Mark responds, it's probably not spam. Yeah, no, but but what I meant is that no other provider is going to ban the 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 Gmail IP addresses. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. Like Gmail must have a pool of thousands of IPs, but there's no way that anyone's going to flag any of those IPs, even if there are spammers in there, because because you're you're going to be punishing a bunch of random Gmail users. You know, I bet you that they do. Because I like a ton of spam would come from Gmail, and it would be Google's job to understand like, are you sending spam? Because other other people are just going to try to spam from Gmail addresses constantly. Yeah, but there are these these third party services that just collect IP addresses, and they and basically that's where the IP reputation is is stored is in all these third party services. Mm. So whenever someone abuses, you know, sends spam, mm. and they get flagged. Usually their IP address and their domain will get added to one of these lists. Right. And then all their services use these lists to like to just reject emails or to, to put them in the spam folder automatically. Okay. So what I'm I'm thinking is that Gmail must never make it onto those lists. Like those lists must must have an agreement. Like, well, we can't we there's no way to to block one Gmail spammer. Like we can except for his email address. It's the only way we can mm. block. It's like, oh no, we've we blocked that sender as a spam. I see what you mean. Sure, sure. Yeah, because Google probably has a very well-known list of IPs. And exactly. then at that point, they're like, well, we, we're not going to block. Not everything from at gmail.com is spam. We're At that exactly. point, we'll have they to ban. Them. Yeah, you'll have to ban, ban, uh, block based on domain, not based on IP. And if, you're, yeah. if your domain is healthy, then you're fine. But that's it. I think that's the solution. It's just switch to G Suite. Mm-hmm. It's like what is it five dollars a month? Yeah, I think I pay eight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna do that. Yeah, I and use it for transactional emails. Yes, exactly, exactly. I use a service called Improv MX, and you can add a few extra MX records to your DNS settings, and you can have you can have unlimited forwards basically. So you would send emails from marketpowerimporter.com. But you can set up an MX wildcard that anything sent to at powerimporter.com just gets sent to marketpowerimporter.com okay. or any other address that you like. So yeah. my FBARS account right now doesn't have a G Suite address. It just forwards to my business address for my consulting. So I would respond. Okay. The only problem is you can't respond from that address. Um, but right. at the, but you can still send email from that address through like a third party provider. Like I have ConvertKit set up to send emails from Matt at fbars.com. A dot app rather don't know i don't even know my own domain (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I can send out through an email provider because I've proved that I own the domain, but I don't have a Gmail address that I can send out from it. But right. it, it doesn't matter. I can avoid paying a few dollars a month while I send emails until I upgrade to a G Suite address. Yeah. Receiving email is not a problem. Yeah. My mail server works for that. <laughs> works great. Yeah. Works great. Yeah. Damn email, man. No thanks. I know. Seriously. That's why whenever I hear stories about how, how email, email is so good and you should you know, you should have a mailing list and, and I'm thinking of all these problems like, yeah, but it just takes, you know, a few people to flag you as a spammer, even though it's, it's not spam, no. like you have double opted in and yep. the unsubscribe button couldn't be bigger. Exactly. Like- it's this big, huge link, like cl- click here to unsubscribe. Oh, by the way, you're receiving this email because you subscribed. It doesn't matter. Someone will just go, ah, it's spam. Click report spam. You're done. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I understand partly. Like, there's a spam problem, so everyone gets angry when they receive spam. Mm. But, but uh, I mean, I think you need to understand that there's there's a human being, you know, like behind this mailing list, <laughs> trying to run a business, trying to be as respectful as possible, because it's exactly. not like you're out there trying to, you know, pirate gold or something. Rules. No, ex- exactly. They're, you double opted in and. You know, I'm following all the rules. My address is in the footer. There's a link to unsubscribe. Yeah, follow these mail email best practices and you'll be fine. And it turns out, like, gain complete mastery of email and have a network at the major email providers. And you, too, can run a successful email campaign. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Send me notifications, please. This was a golden piece of content. Right. Yeah. And I've I've heard a lot of people say that SMS is the new is, is is the new way of reaching your customers. I'll never sign up for that. If somebody exactly. tries to text me, oh my god, forget it. Exactly. Like I, you know, some people have these great success stories. Oh yeah, SMS is it's so effective because people still read their SMS messages. But it's like yeah, until you spammers ruin it. <laughs> I can't eat. Like, oh my god, that sounds like a that sounds like a nightmare. I could never. Oh man! Oof. No, seriously, it's you know it's the only thing on my phone that that produces notifications. Notifications have been turned off for everything else. Same. So if I start getting spam, forget it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm changing my phone number and I'm burning the phone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, revert, I'm, revert, I'm reverting back to carrier pigeons. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I think I'll be taking off probably Thursday, Friday this week. I'm looking to squeeze the rest of my week into the into three days so I can kind of live a normal life for a couple of days, go around, see some people in the city, have some fun, enjoy my newfound freedom, and then I'll be back at it on Monday. Nice. Totally jealous. <laughs> Swing by. You just have to go through a two-week quarantine. No big deal. Sure. No big deal. Yeah. So you do you do still know people in Halifax? A few, yeah. I grew up here, so I have some friends that I went to school with that I grew up with. Uh, we're not super close. Well, I mean, the people I went to university with, I definitely am closer with. Um, so we're going out for beer tomorrow, uh, beer and wings, a thing I haven't done in like 18 months <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I still have a network here. And yeah, lots of lots of cool people still kicking around. So that's great. Nice. Yeah. So lucky. Yeah. Hashtag blast, man. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's it for me. I don't really have much else going on. Just trying to soldier through the rest of my consulting for the week. Yes. I mean, I also don't have much more. and I need to be recording stuff. Yeah, that's it. This is valuable marketing hours. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're confident you'll be able to call people? and. Yeah, it, it's funny. I'm totally fine one-on-one to make cold calls like that. Um, especially for people who advertise their services. Right. Uh, because they have a LinkedIn, they have a presence, they're very upfront about what they offer. So for me to call up and reach a secretary or, or some, somebody who's receiving from the outside line and say, hey, you know, I'd love to chat with somebody about uh, American taxes. Uh, I'm very interested in how you solve these problems and if you can, and what's involved in these services and kind of using use that as a way of being able to shoe in and say, how are you handling this problem? Um, you know, I have something that I think could really help you. And if they're not interested, great. It can kind of end right away, but really have opening it up as a conversation and saying, you know, I know that this tends to be a problem. It tends to draw out the length of how long it takes to file American taxes. You know, I've got a solution that can speed that up and get you paid faster 
and make your clients' lives a lot easier. And if they're interested, then they understand the problem, they understand the pain, they get it right away. Otherwise, they say, hey, it's not for me, I'm not interested. Cool, no problem. And I'll add them to the, right. I'll add them to my list and maybe I'll follow up with them in a year or something like that. Yeah. I think it really tends to, it's, it depends on the volume of, of clients that they have. If they're only doing it for three people a year, I mean, maybe it's a big enough problem for them. I guess it depends how they feel. Um, one of the CPAs that I've talked to, she only, maybe she does five a year and she feels very strongly that doing the FBARs for her clients is just not a value add. She's collecting a bunch of money for leafing through a bunch of documents. She's like, you know, I'm not really interested in leafing through a bunch of documents just to get a number. I'm not really adding that much value to my client, but you know, they're willing to pay for it. So I do it. But if I, if I had a service that I could refer them to and they could do it on their own time and it would be cheaper than paying me to do it, then she actually sees that as a net win. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for this particular account. Yeah. She, Seriously. yeah, she really cares about her client's time and her time and, and what the best value is. I'm looking for a new accountant. Maybe yeah. I should call her up. Yeah. I'll, I'll give her you, I'll definitely hook you up. She's great. <laughs> wow. This sounds like a real business. Like you're calling, you're calling businesses and selling them a service yeah i hope so (laughs) makes my business sound like amateur hour no man i i (laughs) i really i'm so i don't know if jealous is the right word but i love that you're solving this recurring problem that doesn't just occur once a year like (laughs) you're you're solving this kind of ongoing problem and it really it makes it so much more interesting from my from from my perspective that you're you're able to hammer on this problem and you can spend you can spend time throughout the year figuring it out and talking with people like you're you're doing this yourself people are signing up and you're engaging with them right away watching them go through the sign up flows understanding how they do everything like that's very cool that's very yeah, cool. It's, it's true <laughs> but i mean you, you know your business allows you to create other businesses the other nine months a year mm. Yeah, true. Well, I mean, hopefully I see some success this year. Um, I mean, the nice thing is that it costs basically nothing for me to run this thing throughout the year. So if I can just do some moderate marketing, because there's not enough time for the tax year for me to do any like real content marketing or SEO related content marketing. It's one thing to right. actually create content and drop it where users are. That that for sure is it will work and is fine. Um, but yeah, it, it costs me basically nothing to keep the servers online all year and then just prepare a, a marketing a marketing plan for the following year. Because when I started my indie hacker journey, like my my vision was that I would, you know, I, I didn't need to have a huge product that would make you know, whatever ten thousand a month or whatever I, mm-hmm. I figured was a comfortable yeah income. You know, I just if I have if I can make a product that generates a thousand dollars a month, then you know I just need to produce ten more of those. So the idea was to have a bunch of these smaller products and it seems like what what you have, you know, could be that, right? Yeah. Like, like because it, it will only realistically only take a few months of your time each year mm-hmm. of, you know, a bit a bit of a marketing push before the tax year, before it's time to file mm-hmm. and a bit of outreach. But then for the rest of the year, like it seems like your efforts could be better spent on a new business. Totally. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, sec- yeah. I know I totally agree. I, I the it's kind of nice that it's seasonal because then it you know it forces you to be active at least some portion of the year and then the rest is important but not as important as during the during the prime time. But I agree it's kind of nice to be able to distract myself <laughs> and, <laughs> and build other things cuz it, it's I've I still have lots of ideas and lots of things I want to explore. Uh and it's kind of yeah, nice exactly. to think like oh you know like that the the FBARs thing, real interesting, real fun. It's cool to dip my toes in and, and really ship a full project. I haven't done this in such a long time. It's great to be able to like show my work and show that I've done something. But then right. now to be able to take that practice and then throw it against something else. You know, I agree. Yeah, I know. It's, it's very exciting. Now I just want to work. Like the, <laughs> it's, it's a shame because the consulting is still, you know, I, I just have to finish it up. And once I get out of the end of the year filings, we're fine. And I had such a great push last week. I got a lot done. I'm really happy with uh, with the quality as well. I really, it just, it really came out. I'm, I'm super appreciative of it. And I just think like, oh yeah, if I have, I have, I have 14 more days of that, then I'll just be of, of that level of productivity. Oh, I'll be golden. I'll be super pleased with the work. I'll have it all out and I can just focus on writing software and marketing. Like, oh yeah. Yeah, it really like lights a fire under me to just, now if I can, now unfortunately that was with like, 
those days were extremely productive and it's you don't want to set the expectation that that's going to be every day you want to you want to enjoy those days when you get them but that's definitely not the norm <laughs> so if i can get a few more of them though wow that'll be that'll put me so far ahead of schedule that would be nice ha- well, all right i think i want to <laughs> sorry you had, you had yeah yeah well i was gonna say how is your um with the marketing you've done up until now um how have things been going like how is user flow how how are how is traffic it's it's been growing like every month mm-hmm. every month i've been getting more traffic more signups awesome but uh it definitely needs a big marketing push mm-hmm. well it seems like, like you... i feel yeah i feel like this is just very slow organic growth mm-hmm. which which is normal for saas sure. but i i know that a good marketing push should make a huge difference yeah, I'm just thinking about all the dry powder you have with respect to like the CSV upload. And that, that yeah, that's exactly. the, because you, I mean, you said it perfectly, like in the Webflow forums, it's like the number one question, can I do CSV imports? No, you cannot. Like, well, <laughs> here it is, baby. Like, <laughs> here's the thing you've been waiting for. Yeah, exactly. That's That's why, yeah, I know that I'm so behind of where I should be. Like, I think this, this big push of marketing, get the word out, uh, have some recurring marketing efforts right? of, you know, regularly producing more content. Mm. It's the fuel that, that I need because mm-hmm. I think the spark has been lit. Like this, this product has found product market fit, but I think it needs more fuel now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Having that repeatable marketing process of how do I create content and how do I put it out there and what do I need to do to publicize it? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, for example, this this morning I was brainstorming how I was going to make this video to to showcase the CSV update. Mm-hmm. So I went into Google and I searched update Webflow CMS CSV, right? Like, so I want to know what's out there when you search for that. Mm. And hold and behold, the number one result is Power and Porter. No way! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So they're oh shit. Okay, <laughs> that explains the. The Google traffic I've been seeing trickle in because hmm. I'm actually on the first page. Very cool. Are you like yeah. the number one result or you're just on the first page? Well, just on, oh, I'm the, just on the, I'm the number one and two result. Mm, nice. So the number one was because the way I made the site is I have a generic landing page for just a domain name. Okay. So that tries to explain that I, I provide all these different workflows mm-hmm. that are made for you and they're pre-tested and they're ready to run. Mm-hmm. But then for each product, I have its own landing page that you know is really targeting those keywords for SEO. Mm. So the 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 path has all the keywords in it, and then you know the headline has the keywords. It's all it's all inline SEO best practices. Okay. So when you search for that for that in Google, you find that first targeted page for the the CSV import, mm. and then the second page is my regular landing page. Okay. Because it also mentions both workflows. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, it's, you know, results coming from the Webflow forum of people complaining that the product doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So, yeah. So, so it definitely, obviously, it's working. I just need to produce more content. Yeah, totally. Very cool. Cool. All right. I guess it's time to get back to work. Yep. Sell, sell, sell. Yeah, here we go. You've got this. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> All right, cool, brother. Talk to you next week. All right. Yeah. Talk to you next week. All right. See ya. See ya.